The Golden Mike Podcast is presented by SeaDeck Marine Products. SeaDeck features non-absorbent closed-cell PE EVA blended foam that delivers the perfect combination of comfort, safety, and style. For more information, check out www.seadeck.com. That's S-E-A-D-E-K.com. Your boat deserves SeaDeck. And now, it's showtime. the official voice of Toad Water Sports for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated the industry's biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years of on-water experience, captivating charisma, and a command of his audience, presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast, with the noise of the North himself, oh, yeah. Dano the Mano. Thanks for tuning in to episode 91 of the Golden Mike Podcast. I'm three-time Wisconsin State Mark Black Award winner for most outstanding trick skier, the 97 and 99 two-time, two-time Wisconsin State novice wakeboard champion, and the one-time wake award and one-time WSIA leadership award winner, Daniel Lamano, a.k.a. the noise of the north himself. And now it's time... For some audio sunshine. Today's episode is brought to you in part by the WSIA Water Sports Industry Association, along with myself, want to remind you to wake responsibly this year. Three easy steps here, guys. One, stay 150 feet away from shorelines and all objects, boat docks, fishermen, jet skiers, and other boaters. You get the point, my friends. Your music, you can jam, just do it at reasonable levels. Reasonable and respectful, also super easy. Number three, cut the repetitive passes down one shoreline. Switch it up. People get the idea you're messing up their shoreline when you constantly drive back and forth past their homes. Don't give them a chance to be bummed at you, your riding, or your sweet boat and crew. Utilize the entire lake and bring the repetitive passes to a minimum. One more thing, as listeners and ambassadors, I ask that you not only follow these three easy steps, but promote them as well. Let's keep our sport alive and growing for the next generation of lake lovers and water sports enthusiasts. You can find out more on the WSIA's Wake Responsibly Initiative at WSIA.net. Here we are, episode 91, and I am recording this portion down in Florida. I'm back at the studio boathouse. Been back in FLA about a week now, and I'm loving it. The weather is grand. I've rode a few times. Well, well, I've trick skied a few times. Uh, I've announced a couple of events. I was in Cocoa Beach with Step Up Productions, Billabong, and Wakeboarding.com. We put on some demos at the Ron John's Beach and Borge Fest. Konex Cables came down from Canada. They provided us with a two-tower setup. It was radical. They've got some really awesome things there. Check out the Konex Cables website online. Absolutely incredible crew. Some really, really nice guys, and I, I hope for all the best for them. Uh, it really changed the dynamic of the Rail Jam, and hopefully we're going to do some more stuff with those guys in the future. 
also announced a big festival down in Central Florida and Claremont, Pig on the Pond. Bill Porter and the crew of Performance Ski and Surf put on their third annual Wake Jam Wakeboard Contest. We had about 40 riders who showed up. You know, not the biggest event I've ever announced with performance, but at the same time, early March. Come on, guys. It's awesome. It was a really, really great showing there, and the riding was absolutely awesome for this early in the season. Performance Ski and Surf Gravel Tour Stop Number 1 happens April 7th at the Orlando Water Sports Complex. I'm going to be on the microphone again, and I hope to see you guys out there. Let's get on to today's guest. We recorded at the WSIA Summit, which was late February in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. And I was sitting in my hotel room and I was surprised when I got a phone call to my room. And on the other end was this dashing Australian accent. It was my pal Daniel Watkins, who I hadn't talked to in a long time. So DW is on the show. Watkins is an old friend of mine, a travel mate. He was a roommate. He mentored me at times. And we've partnered on many ideas and collaborations, both sun up and sun down, on and off the water. But most notoriously is probably Feet on Fire, which, of course, we do talk about in this episode. Anyways, it was such a surprise to see Daniel and his wife, Chansey. They recently opened up a cable park in Australia, which we also touch on. They came over to the States to participate at the summit. There's a bunch of different cable park owners and wake park owners and whatnot at the summit, and they're discussing safety and promoting and all kinds of different stuff there. So it was great to see Watkins. Uh, Watkins and I were were roommates with Eric Ruck back in 2003. We went to Ireland together in 2007 or 2008, something like that. And in general, we made some great memories. And in this episode, we went a good while. We actually recorded for about an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, we cut that down a bit, but we did have to cut it short because... The reality is, is Watkins and I have a lot of stories, and we can go on for a really, really, really long time. Again, it was so cool seeing Watkins out at WSIA, and I appreciate everybody at WSIA for having both myself and Watkins out there so that we were able to connect and make this thing finally happen. Before we get into it all, a quick reminder to you all to please find and subscribe to the Golden Mike Podcast. Rate and review the show, listen free on iTunes, the podcast app on your iPhone, or pretty much any podcast app on Androids. Just go to your app store and search podcast app. Then once you do so, search the Golden Mike Podcast, also on SoundCloud, and of course, as always, on noiseofthenorth.com. To keep the Golden Mike podcast free to you, the listeners, let's thank the sponsors. SeaDeck, Marine Products, Boulder Boats, Woodrose, Sustainable Optics, Performance Ski and Surf, Wakeboarding.com, WSIA, GoPuck, Hyperlite, C4 Belts, Conley, Leadwake, Ronix, O'Brien, and Slingshot. One last way to support is to buy a Golden Mike podcast t-shirt or dad hat from me. If you're interested in that or you just want to connect, you can email me, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. Find me on Facebook at the Golden Mike Podcast, on Twitter at the golden underscore Mike, and at the Dano T Mano 
on Instagram at Dano, D-A-N-O-T-M-A-N-O. All right, now let's take it back to Steamboat Springs from the WSIA Summit in the Snow. And my guest, the international water sports superstar, Australian Hall of Famer, D-Dub Daniel Watkins, right here on the Golden Mike Podcast. Here we are in the hotel room in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, with one of the greatest legendary riders of all time, the one and only Mr. D.W., Daniel Watkins. Watkins, what's up, dude? Dunno, it's great to be here. So, uh, yeah, I'm so excited to see you again. We haven't seen each other for like five years or something like that. Yeah, and last time we saw each other, I think it was just a quick one because, if I'm not mistaken, you flew in to Orlando for something like the Surf Expo, and you did business, and you didn't have time to play. That wow, we've always got time to play. Yeah, let's be fair. Well, this time we're this is all about playing, right? This is all about playing. We've done a few little meetings here and there, but uh, we got first tracks yesterday. That was a good time. Yeah, some and, uh, snowboarding. Yeah, snowboarding. So, is this like your first? Va- is would you consider this a vacation? Um, half and half. Yeah, yeah, but definitely. I mean, Chancey's here. My wife's here with me. So um, we've been doing a little playing in the snow, and that's that's been good. We've had a really hectic. Uh, Last couple of years, actually, in Australia, we moved back to Australia. The kids started going to school, and um, we've been working on building our own wake park back there. Yeah. And um, got it all off the ground about a year ago. So uh, things have been super hectic, and um, and uh, so it's time. We just we just gotten through our first summer. It was a really really successful summer. It was a good time, and uh, so we're just re- looking really looking forward to it. A- used to be a guy who would travel internationally, like ten international like long distance flights you know not just like something like oh america to england or something or europe i'm talking like around the world because that australian flight is pretty crazy right oh for sure yeah i spent um for probably 12 years um you know competing on the tour and the world tour all all around i did over a hundred thousand miles uh in an airplane for 10 years or 12 years straight so um yeah, to, to go home now in Australia, I moved back to Australia about five years ago, and to not have an international flight in five years has been pretty nice. It's just like, it's almost like a hangover from, uh, from travel. You just don't want to do it for a while. And it's been nice to get up in the same bed every morning, go to the same place each day and just have a, a bit more of a, um, you know, sort of a normal, more mellow life uh, because the, um, the riding life was, was pretty hectic. And the traveling life, and uh, what do you still have any of those miles left over? Because I know you you spent a few of those miles when we went to Europe together. You spent a few of those miles on me. You had me upgraded. I don't necessarily know that you had me upgraded to first class, but you you didn't make me sit in the back of the plane. Well, that's what it was all about for me. You know, to be fair, is um, it was all about the experiences that we'd have uh, all around the world. I mean, the riding was definitely important, and um, you know, I love to wakeboard, but more importantly, I love to um, just experience every place and all my friends and just lived every day like it was uh it was potentially the last trip you know um was that good for my future i don't know but we had a lot of fun along the way and uh and and it's not it's not unusual to hear the story that i might have you know used a few more miles on my friends to to upgrade them and stuff like that because that's just um that's just how we were back in those days it was like wakeboarding was only brand new getting started it didn't matter whether it was the airline miles or it was the boat or it was the you know whatever it was was um it was all about just experiencing life to the maximum and having the most amount of fun that's great dude all right so let's uh let's go back to um to your history and your family history um 
I think people who may not know you um, or people who, who do know you, they obviously know that you've got this accent, you're from Australia, but can you talk a little bit like where in Australia you're from and like where that is compared to like where maybe all the other riders are at and just Australia in general. I mean, okay, I don't yeah, know yeah, the, yeah, uh, sure. the, no. the geography that well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I came from, um, I, I grew up in Melbourne, a place called, uh, Bonnie Doon just outside of Melbourne and, um, it's on a, it's on a lake. Um, and it's probably the coldest, but it's like living in Seattle, basically. So um, it's, it's to have a, a water skier or a wakeboarder come out of um, come out of the coldest places. Sort of, you could imagine. I did a lot of skiing at, at a young age in super cold conditions. So that, so I was definitely passionate about it for sure. Um, when I and all I wanted to do, all I, I looked up to people like um, Dave Reinhardt, Scott Clark, those sorts of guys that on the and, and Matt May, people on the on the um, freestyle jumping tour, and that's all I wanted to do. Um, and even, even further to that, I wanted to work at SeaWorld, you know, being a show skier and I wanted to be able to go to SeaWorld and be able to first day do, do anything. So the, um, they needed to do someone do, do, do back barefoot. I can just go and tower barefoot. They'd ski jumping, air chair, whatever it was, just like be able to just do, do anything. So that was sort of like from 10 years old until I was 18. That's all I worked on, just being able to do anything behind the boat. So that when I was 18, I could move to a, you know, I wanted to go to the Gold Coast because there was a seaworld on the Gold Coast. I could move there, show director would say, okay, this is the show rundown for the day. And I could go, yep, 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 yep. I can just do anything, you know, behind the boat. So that's basically my motivation, you know, all through my teen years is just, I took, um, for a while I took barefooting seriously. And when I got into something, I took it seriously for a while. So a couple of years I took barefooting really seriously. Um, learned how to do the inver- inverted barefoot jumping. Um, then... That hurt too much, so I gave that a miss. <laughs> were there other like guys that were in the wakeboard scene, you know, uh, like eventually that were coming from this scene that you like these like the the barefoot scene, the show ski scene? Did you come up with any guys who ended up tra- uh, transitioning into wakeboarding as well? No, Ike was a Ike was a three event skier, um, but none of the guys really transitioned over that I that I grew up with, and because I only just sort of touched in these sports, I I got to know a lot of people, but no one really you know stuck with me that or, or i didn't really you know we just i just touched on the sport for a while went and you know barefooted with the best barefooters in australia for a while then moved on went and tournament ski with the best tournament skiers for a while and then just sort of like it wasn't a wasn't a conscious thing it was just i just wanted to have fun you know sure. so i was just enjoying the eras when i went to SeaWorld, I, actually i i became a electrician when i was um 16 so then did my electrical apprenticeship and then matt dance was working in um working in uh, SeaWorld of Texas and I uh, got a call one day from um, Dan Stewart and Tom Weber and uh, inviting me over to come and ski at um, SeaWorld in San Diego. Uh, so I took that opportunity straight away, obviously. Um, and then the first year I... I didn't even know. I, I thought everybody in America was going to be was amazing skiers, and I was going to be the you know the, the I was going to learn so much. I was going to be the small poppy type thing, you know, the the new guy. My first year over here, I actually won the. Um, they did an award at SeaWorld where all the um, all the shows put nominate their best skier. They do a video. They send it to the, the headquarters in Orlando, and I actually won that. You know, the best all round show skier my first year here. So. Um, it was a real eye opener. I was sort of, obviously I was proud, and that's where I met. And so to win that, I got to go to um, uh, the the award was called the Nova Award. It was named after Lynn Novakovsky, a real 
obviously one of the the original um, show skiers, and I was lucky enough to be able to work with him in San Diego for the. 40- and Lynn's still around. He's still taking photos and posting. He's get, posting some of the best photos on Instagram right now. Yeah, he's a great guy. I haven't seen him for a long time, but I definitely follow him on Instagram. I see all his photos, so uh, I'd love to catch up with him again. He definitely taught me a lot about show skiing, and he obviously loves doubles and all that sort of stuff. So, um, <clears throat> but anyway, so moving on. Um, uh, Tom Weber, you know, I was wakeboarding at these, at these, uh, oh, that's what I was going to say. I went to, that's, I won the, I won the trip to, um, to show ski nationals. So I went to show ski nationals and they were like, you know, while you're there, check out if there's any good skiers, you know, they want to come and work with us and all that sort of thing. And that's where I met Ruck. He did a whirly bird off the, off the ski jump Yeah. when he was like, uh, he must've, I don't know. Must have been like 15, 14. Yeah, he was probably like doing Whirly Bird on the trick ski as well. Whirly Bird on the trick ski or, or off the jump ramp. And I was like, went straight up to him. I'm like, you, you know, we, we met, we bonded. And, and um, then I ended up, you know, obviously going down to Florida and living with Ruck. So that was probably a pretty cool story that this is well, I knew, knew Ruck well before Ruck and I knew each other sure. through, through show skiing. So um, anyway, so that was, that was a Ruck story. And then while I was at, while I was at SeaWorld, that's when uh, Tom Webber's. So you 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 need to go on the the wakeboard tour. You know you've got a you can wakeboard pretty good. But you were whatever. at this point you're just wakeboarding for the show. In the show, right? Yeah. <clears throat> but there but there is a wakeboard tour. So are you fo- like are so you the, you're following guys like Darren and obviously Darren pa- Parks and Murray were all, were the guys at that of that era that were winning every single contest. And um, you know I looked up to them and I was getting inspired by them through the magazine and and all that sort of thing. And um, <clears throat> so Tom says, yeah, you need to go because the the Sea World was run by the same company that the Pro Tour was run by by the magazines run by. And um, so Tom says you got to go on the tour. So actually Sea World and Tom Weber sent me um, to my first couple of years on the couple of, couple of years on the tour. Um, I would work at SeaWorld for you know three or four days during the week, and then travel. This is when you had to qualify for the tour on a Friday, and then you, they'd send me to the Pro Tour stop. I'd try to qualify on a Friday, would never make it, and then sit there and watch it all weekend. <laughs> and it took me it took me a couple of years. It took me like two years of not qualifying on a Friday. Um, to um to finally break through once i broke through in my i think it was my third year of being on the tour i broke through was consistently making the finals got a couple of sponsors and then i was like you know got um i just wanted to go and pursue that and that's when i moved to florida left sea world moved to florida and um that's when got to know all the all the guys and and um yeah, the rest the rest is history, really. I mean, this is what we, fifteen years later, here we are. Um, you started at a young age, but I I know you have a brother, um, Mick, and um, if I remember right, he was like the announcer of the Australian Pro Tour. So is he a rider as well, or does he come from water sports? Yeah, we're definitely. I mean, we were a water water sports family. So um, Mick and I grew up. Mom and dad too. Mom skiers. and dad, yeah, they were in the they were in like a local show when um, when I was born, and um, so we're sort of like growing up in the in the um, traveling circus on the water type thing. Right. Uh, so yeah, it's been a family thing forever. My brother Mick, um, he's definitely been around the water as much as I have uh, and in the boat. He probably from a young age didn't take it quite as seriously as I did and didn't have the um, the motivation for, for for actually being behind the boat that I did. Although he did a, he did a lot and he's a great wakeboarder, he's a great skier. Um, he, when, um, he took on the roles in his after school in his later years as a magazine editor. He said he edited the magazine in Australia, both um, Wake Magazine and Border Magazine, and uh, created the Australian Pro Tour of Wakeboarding. So we 
Josh, people like Josh and Ike and I um, would have a place to go when we went back to Australia, you know, something to do during the, during the off season because at that time we would travel and it was, we would have to, people say, what's wakeboarding? Oh, it's like snowboarding, but it's behind the boat. Oh, really? Hmm, that's interesting. You know, that was the era. era. You don't say that anymore. Say wakeboarding and people go, oh, wakeboarding, that's cool. Yeah, I've done it. My, my buddy's got a boat. It's like, it's not snowboarding behind the boat anymore. Sure. Um, so it, during that time, um, I worked, we worked really closely with Mick, but he was always on the, um, on the media side, organizing the events for us, doing the announcing, um, editing the mag, taking photos doing all that sort of stuff so it was really it was really really cool to have him during all those years to to work so closely with my brother but on um we weren't competitive towards each other we were building the thing building this thing together um so it was pretty cool so is is your brother or your family are they still involved in water sports at all or have they kind of moved forward yeah my brother i had a boat dealership with my brother um and we had the, we've got a shop called ProWake. So ProWake.com.au is our store now. Um, and then we were importing uh, Slingshot and distributing Slingshot throughout Australia. Um, and now, just recently when the park opened, um, my brother's taken, or Mick's taken, um, the, the Slingshot distribution. I'm doing the, um, I've, I've taken the retail store and the boat dealership, we sort of dissolved. But... Um, so he's now importing and distributing Slingshot and the whole Slingshot thing is blowing up. Obviously, foiling is a big thing now. Um, what are your thoughts? I love it. I've got, I got a Slingshot foil. They hooked it up. Really? I love it. Love Have it. Have you yeah, wrote yeah. it yet or no? Yeah. I wrote, did you see the video? Maybe. I posted I'm not sure. just, just recently. Anyway, I feel like with the, the foil, the technology and especially the Slingshot foil now is, um, is so amazing that it's not like the old sky ski or air chair or whatever, that they were super flighty. They were all over the place. These, the new foils ride like I, I say that these new foils ride like old school you know school buses they just like coast along the water it's not too difficult and I feel like the first time that you see somebody fly the foil for the first time and get up it's like the feeling that we had whatever 10 years ago whatever it was when um, you saw the person throw the rope into the boat for the first time on a on a wake surfer mm-hmm. not very difficult to do but because you, you were doing something new and you were going behind the boat with no rope everybody thought you were a legend you're like whoa this is just completely mind-blowing how does this work it's exactly the feeling and exactly the vibe that you get when you fly the foil for the first time now it's like Oh, that's just so insane, you know, and the well, feel, you feel like you're doing something that nobody's ever done before. I feel, okay, so I feel like, okay, since I come from like kind of a solid water ski background, I can shoe ski, I can disc, I can kneeboard, I can slalom, I can hit the ski ramp, you know, you know what I mean? Like, like, these are things that kind of just come super easy. I got on the foil, I couldn't even cut out on my toe side edge, and it was like everything I've ever done before, anything new, yeah, it's just kind of an offshoot of water skiing or wakeboarding, you know? And this foil, now that's a new challenge. That's why it's taken off. That's why people are getting into it. That's why people love it because it's a completely new challenge. It's something completely different and it does buck you off. If you if you are standing on the foil the wrong way, it bucks you off. You're like, I can do this. Surely, surely I've done, I've shoe skied. I've done whatever trick ski, done everything behind well, the You're the kind before. of guy like you could get on any of these things and go and do a flip on them. You've probably done a flip on, you could probably do a flip on a plank if you, you know what I mean? Like it's just. <laughs> and the, and the foil took me a, a while to get going. You know, I wrote it on the, on, I wrote it on the cable round and round in circles for a good three months before I took it out in the surf. But that's what definitely where the foil is, is made in my eyes. If the foil's made for is the ocean and, um, 
and just catching these the the the, the rolling swell not so much getting in the barrel or anything like that but riding these the swell and you're gonna you're gonna see guys getting we got probably like uh 40 second 60 second waves last week but i can see once we get better at it we're going to be able to we're going to be get, getting like go as long as you can pump right two minute waves and stuff yeah. like that you know it's just ultimate freedom kind of ultimate freedom it's like it's it's when the wave jacks up and you're riding down the face of the wave you don't the the um where the wave is breaking is so far away that you feel like snowboarding. You feel like you're just cruising down this big wave wave, but it's just a rolling hill in the water and you're going backwards and forwards. And I don't know, it's, it's a different feeling. All right. Hey, so let's, let's get back to some wake stuff here. And when it, when it comes down to um, like the pioneers of, of wakeboarding, I mean, I'd still put you up there because I feel like you helped, you know, you pushed it. You, you were one of those guys that you were a wakeboarder. You weren't a ski boarder, you know? Um, and for sure in Australian wakeboarding guys like you and Ike, Brett Eisenhower and Josh Sanders are, are names that come to my mind first and foremost. But I know that like, um, through like older conversations we had, there's guys that, that, that were before you riding the wakeboards, guys that you even looked up to like some of the, so who would you say are like some of the pioneers of, of Australian wakeboarding? Oh man, there's there's quite a few of them for sure. I mean, there was a whole, um, you know, there was a whole era of people in that around that time. Um, obviously, Greg Fowson, who you, I think you know. Um, but then again, there was like um, uh, uh, Boydie, Reese Jordan, um, Marshall Harrington, guys like that. Um, uh, Luke Wolf. Um, Mark McNamara, all those guys were all, all all there at the very start. I think it was '97 when we all when we all came to the states. We all got to know each other, and the sport really '96 '97 the sport really started to take off. Um, but I know that there was definitely a movement in around the Sydney area of a whole bunch of these guys that I. Uh, fully respected, looked up to, wanted to be like, wanted to be their friend. You know, took lots of trips to Sydney to to, to hang out with them for sure. But um, then when it came to moving to the states, competing on the tour, um, making a living from wakeboarding, it was definitely um, Josh Sanders, Brett Eisenhower, myself, Greg Fowson. Even to that point, Mark Kenny was around during that sort of like those those early years he was probably a little bit later than us but um you know oh one something like that when he but he was came, pushing the envelope in a way came, that nobody he, was he came in stronger than anybody um he came in stronger to anybody than the sport has ever seen ever if, what do you think if, if we would have gotten more time with mark henny what do you think uh what where do you think he, his career would have gone and what do you think he what do you think his legacy in wakeboarding would have been he was he rode a lot like um I feel like his brain and he rode a lot like Harley did now. I mean, Harley's definitely a, a trailblazer as far as um, new tricks go. His brain thinks differently to every other rider. You know, it's not what can be done. or not, Sorry, it's not what has been done. It's what can be done and what will be done. And Mark Kenny definitely, you know, oh, you guys go that big? Well, of course I can go this big, you know, and I'm putting my hand now. But it's like Mark Kenny went so much bigger than everybody else. He, he even went bigger than like Darren Shapiro of the day. And Darren went the biggest out of anybody. But Mark just came and he was just strong. His brain worked differently to everybody else. And he just he just pushed it in a, in a different direction. Um, not even so much a different direction, just just pushed it. Was that like, do you, do you remember, you know, I... I I know for the people who don't know, we've talked about Mark Kenny a few times on the podcast, but he passed way too early. And I, if I'm not mistaken, it was 
sometime like around the gravity games yeah he won the gravity games for his, his first contest i remember that he he won gravity games and um because he was so stoked and so excited he like took us all for took us all for um for dinner i think he won maybe twenty thousand or twenty five thousand at gravity games took everybody out for dinner put a thousand dollars down and said let's party and uh we all um I think it was a sushi restaurant, so we all ate sake and congratulated him and had like this huge party. It was a probably when I say a huge party, it's probably only like ten of us or something like that. But it was like a really, a really a thing at the time. It was cool. And then after that, there was definitely a um, there was a, a Mark Kenny tribute type um celebration after every anybody won a major contest over sort of fifteen thousand dollars, um, they would put a thousand dollars down. We'd go out for dinner have you know party through the night whatever and it was all sort of like this and it didn't matter where we were in the world most of the big money contests were somewhat you know japan or in europe or something like that it was all the 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 world series events that paid all the money so it was always there was only a handful of us we were at the other side of the world somewhere and we'd all sort of party and it was always whoever won put a thousand dollars down it was in in honor and in memory of mark kenny and that was something that went on for probably 10 years it was really cool but nobody sort of knew about it, it was just something that the writers knew about it's just something that we did together and um and everybody looked forward to it you know the sunday night after the contest whoever won yeah. shouted everybody dinner yeah we get we get a little bit of that every now and then depending on the uh depending on the event so yeah sometimes harley is uh taking care of us pretty good <laughs> <laughs> really that, that's cool i'm glad yeah. that he, i'm glad that he carries the torch still for that uh, we had a we had a good year. one at the final stop of the wakeboard world series this year we were in we were in japan and uh we finished off harley one we all got in the shuttle bus back to the hotel and harley oh yeah i heard about this yeah, i yeah. heard about this shuttle bus ride yeah so harley turned into another contest but uh <laughs> but yeah harley was so cool he pulled off and and he went out and he picked up cases of frosty adult beverage for an entire busload of of all of us and uh yeah it's probably one of my best memories of of touring in in a long time yeah definitely i, I feel like the um you know, it, you need to remember, and the, the riders that win these contests, and 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 not even the riders, just all the riders need to remember exactly what they're doing. Um, you know, the guys now they train, they go to the gym heaps and all that, but they've got to really remember that this is a lifestyle sport. How lucky are they to be able to travel the world, go to places like Japan, make you know money doing exactly what they love? Um, so, um, you know, to, to get to get caught up in in that is like you know you got to let loose you got to have fun at least, gotta, at least once in a while it's so impressive though nowadays like these guys your harleys these guys are going to the gym the same way like 15 years ago we were going to the club every single night you know <laughs> it's and and like if you want to be at the top now i guess like that's that's the name of the game take it serious do. yeah the sport's grown the sport is is it's a mature sport now that's been here what 20 years so um you know the guys that are there i fully respect that they have to you know follow the torch it's not a couple of kids having a bit of fun um it's a it's a 20 year old sport now that's got some history that needs to be um needs to progress and and that's why the tricks that they're doing off the wake in the contest are completely mind-blowing now but um if it wasn't that way why would you know the, the sport wouldn't be around still it needs to keep progressing and and the riders becoming athletes is just part of the part of the jam part of the evolution also is the the cable side of things and you and i spent a lot of time riding at owc back in the old days and i don't know if if you agree or disagree with me but i think 15 years ago neither one of us saw wake park coming 
uh, into the the scene the way it has. Uh, I don't know that you ever would have envisioned 15 or 20 years ago the fact that you now own a cable park. So with that being said, like I want to like find out your thoughts, the boat scene versus the cable scene, and just how it all ties together, how it all tied together, your thoughts back then versus now. There's, no, there's nothing like being in the boat. You know, you're, being, you're within... You're within 20 feet of, of your closest friends that, at that time, that day, you know, and the experience that you have in a boat is, is like nothing else. Um, I, I love the, the camaraderie, the, the family vibe that's in the boat. Um, but I feel like that the wake parks now worldwide is making wakeboarding more accessible. I feel like the, the boats have, have sort of outpriced themselves, out technology themselves, out of the game. You have to, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars for, for a competitive wakeboard boat now is just like it, it there's a certain demographic of person that can become a pro wakeboarder now um you know you've got to come from a certain family whereas a wake park you just have to have 40 bucks you show up grab a rental board go for it if you love it you can buy a season pass and you can buy a wakeboard but really you're into this you're into this whole thing for just maybe a, a couple of thousand dollars and you you can become a a really good wakeboard and what ride as much as you want um you don't have to have a, a you know the big boats and all that sort of thing so i think that i think that may, mainly wake parks are becoming yeah that's that's definitely that definitely it is wake parks are just making wakeboarding more accessible so did you ever you know going back to the days you know we were at owc we were hitting the rails we were hitting the the jumps and everything like that but i i will admit that i believed in those days that all the cable was was a training wheel for you know basic tra- training wheels for for yeah wake behind the boat it was it was definitely the the, the sideshow um boat is where it was at forever um and boat was a real sport and then cable was like the the sideshow there's something that we did for a bit of fun um i mean know, i actually remember being at slider spectacular and i think you were there and we were razzing all of the riders like we were just we were uh, tailgating and watching this contest go down. This must have been like 03. So this is early days of, of, of cable park contests in general. But like, I admit it was kind of disrespectful what we were, well, at least what I was doing. And then we, it, we went out, we were doing shoe ski demos. And I remember the cable guys were not cool with it. But <laughs> well, we yeah, that's fun. I, it, I was just having fun. I, you know, I never really um, felt like we were razzing on anybody, but it was just like having fun, whatever. Everybody, they probably took this cable thing. I, I could imagine at the time I was thinking, why are they taking this cable thing so seriously? It's just a bit of fun. Let's just go and let's just go and show them what fun's all about. And we have shoe ski off, whatever. That's right. For sure. But um, yeah, Wake Parks is definitely, you know, it's a, it's a thing. That's what we're here it's in Steamboat now. Um, all the wake park owners from around the world getting together to talk about, um, you know, issues, things. And um, for me to be sitting in that room with all the wake park people, not all the boat people, is definitely a trip for sure. Um, it's a total different side of the sport. It's, it's a new direction. Um, I'm loving it. It's a new challenge for me personally. So I'm loving it. You know, I, I, I was saying at the meeting yesterday that I'd never climbed up the on the motor tower of a cable park before until it was mine and until I built it, you know? Um, so I'm brand new to it. It's, it's all new. It's all a new challenge, but I really feel like because cable is so accessible and because there's more of them popping up all over the world, the technology and the boards, all that sort of thing is all moving towards cable. Quick break from D dub folks. Wakeboarding.com is an online community for wakeboard enthusiasts and professionals 
view and share wakeboarding videos as well as upcoming wakeboarding events live from the wakeboarding.com website and Facebook page. Want to find a new local spot to ride or looking for that third to ride with you or you're traveling, you want to get that pull while on the road, wakeboarding.com keeps you connected wherever you are. Go like wakeboarding.com on Facebook. Register at wakeboarding.com online to join the fastest growing wakeboard community and on water enthusiasts. Now let's get back to Daniel Watkins, my guest, right here on episode 91 of the Golden Mike podcast. Let's talk about like your wake park now. You opened, you just said at the beginning, you said you opened up a year ago. Let's just go back to the start. I mean, I'm from uh, Melbourne. My wife's from Seattle. We met in Florida. We had kids. We're like, okay, we've got to send the kids to school. What are we going to do? We had to decide where in the world we're going to, we're going to go to Seattle. We're going to go to Melbourne. We're going to stay in Florida. Where are we going to do? We're like, you know what? Throw all the balls in the air. Gold Coast, Australia is a place that we love the most. Let's move there. There's lots of waterways. It's great for the kids to grow up. Um, there was the the beaches. It's just if you've ever been there, it's just a. I believe it's the and most, I haven't. It's I believe it's the most beautiful place in the world. So that's where we decided to to take our kids to grow our kids up. And as soon as I moved back there, it was I think it was 2009 that I decided to to um, move to Australia. And it was like okay, I want to build a. There was no wake park on the Gold Coast. I want to build a wake park on the Gold Coast. So sort of started putting the feelers out in 2009. So. It's been a long process. It was just, it was an eight year process to actually open the doors, um, and I just uh, just tunnel vision. Just stayed. Are there more hurdles? Is it like more difficult to to get things done in Australia? You know, here there's you know so many like lawyers and permits and everything like that. Yeah, I'm really not too a- sure. I've never been through the process for from from America, but I know that. I mean, I worked on three different locations before I started working on the location that we're at now, and um, there's definitely a lot of hurdles to go over. Even though our the city was really supportive of of bringing a wake park to the Gold Coast, they also um, needed to protect everybody. So you know, traffic management plans, flooding. Um, noise for the community. There was a lot of different things, that, a lot of hurdles that I have, had to jump over uh, along the way. But what that did is made me realize how lucky we are to live in a, in a place like Australia where the, every box needed to be ticked. And, and it was like there was things like the flooding. If we were to build a clubhouse here, we were to build a cable... If, if we do get a flood, what happens to the, um, the house next door? What happens to the property down the road? What happens to the local community? Is it because if we build a structure here that they're going to get flooded? We had to prove that that wasn't going to happen with, and we had to move dirt around so that um, the, the community was, was um, you know, taken care of. We had to make sure that the, our noise was, was in a certain level so that the houses around were going to, be, um, going to be happy. The traffic management, the amount of cars that we were going to be bringing to the park, and we had to project 10 years out of how there was a local community that's, that's you know, the houses are being built in this area, the, our front road and our intersection can that handle the traffic the extra traffic for the next 10 years and if it couldn't we would we were going to have to upgrade that road to traffic lights or roundabout or do something um but all these things and and we had to do a lot of a lot of these a lot of these sorts of things the traffic we didn't have to do a um, traffic lights but we had to prove to the council that all these things were in place so that when we build a wake park it wasn't going to affect the it was going to positively affect the local community not negatively affect that took that took um, almost three years to get through 
you know, getting um, engineers involved to to do traffic counts, to do you know the so noise. Fa- so thing. fast forward, you get through all of this stuff, and it all sounds like a pain in the butt. And then opening day comes, you get you you open, and uh, you you get basically punched in the stomach, right? I mean, in the face, pretty. Hard. Somebody just basically takes a, a steel chair and hits you in the face with it, basically, right? You open up, and your park basically gets destroyed. Well, yeah. Well, so we, we did go, we went through the process and it took a long time, but um, yeah, opening weekend, we got the green light. We went through the construction phase, everything built, everything looked fantastic. We did the front road, we did all the trees, grass, we did put the cable in, put all the rails in, everything looked fantastic. We got the green light, the council came out and did, um, did ticked all their boxes to say that we were, we were good to go. That was on a Tuesday. We had uh, all the media set up for the Saturday for our grand opening. We had the mayor coming down to cut the cut the red cord. Everybody in Australia was going to know that there was a new wake park opened, that um, that I'd opened it, all this sort of, you know, it was, it was really cool. On the Thursday, so in the middle of the so Tuesday to Saturday, on the Thursday, this flood just ripped through town. Hasn't been a flood through there in um, in, in eight years. And uh, this flood ripped through and our rails got washed away. Our, our kicker we found, like wedged up in a tree, no joke, wedged up in a tree down the way. Our, our big fun box was wrapped around a tree. The transition curb was 15 kilometers down the river at, at, a, um, at a marina. We had to go back and retrieve all this stuff. We took um, 400 tons of debris out of the lake, like bits of sticks, logs, all that sort of thing, had to burn it all. So it was like getting a brand new car, your dream car. You've worked on it. You've worked on buying this car or building this car or doing this car, and you drive it down the street for your first time, and somebody keys it. You know, it's just like, here we go again. How did the community come together? And that was that was probably the most heartwarming thing. Is is the day after the day that we could actually get trucks in and and cars in. There was probably about over well over a hundred people just came with wheelbarrows, rakes, their bobcats, their diggers, and just started going for it. Most of the people I didn't know, um, a lot of them I did know, but a lot of them I didn't know that brought their machinery down just to like pitch in, help, and um, get the park back up and going. Because I think there was, obviously there was a lot of hype around the park and a lot of of people were really keen to ride it. So, um, you know, when we got destroyed, I think a lot of people just go, let's get this thing open as quick as we can so we can ride. So whether I'll get the same support next time, I don't don't know because everyone's ridden it now. But um, it was really, really cool and heartwarming that um, there were so many people there to help and and want to get us back on our feet. So You guys staying busy over there too now? Didn't take too long. It took about two weeks to reopen the cable. Um, we got it spinning again. Unfortunately, that was right at the start of winter. So, um, you know, it wasn't until September, October when it started heating up again. So we've really just finished our first. We've really only been open for four months now. To and be, how was it? You to guys? be fair. And um, we had a great summer. It was fantastic. Yeah, heaps of people. I think we've had, um, I saw it just before I left. I think there's about six and a half thousand unique people have been wow. have, have ridden there so far and then you guys have hosted an event and you guys hosted the australian wake awards there as well we did yeah that was just last weekend yeah we're yeah. just straight off the back of that event our first major event and, and everybody loved it we had a great time and uh yeah chancy and i jumped in the plane straight after we finished finished the event up sunday night uh jumped in a plane and here we are yeah man well congrats on that uh we're, we are getting close to the end here but there's uh, a couple more subjects i want to touch on and one of them that's really special close to both of our hearts and i, I think that a, a lot of times i get way more credit for this than i mean 
it's not all me. You know what I mean? Is and, talking talking and I'm talking about feet on fire. You're talking fire. about feet on fire. And the amount of people who think that like it was just me and my thing and stuff. And uh, the the reality is is it it started off with you and me sitting in a boat. And I think Parks and Ruck were in the boat. And you and I came up with these goofy rules. Let's let's do a wakeboard contest or let's do a a barefoot figure eight contest behind a wakeboard boat with wakeboarders because we knew all these wakeboarders who were um were barefooting as well for just for fun um let's and, get the goofiest contest have the maximum amount of fun we can laugh and uh really enjoy being towed behind a boat and i think that it, out, throughout this podcast that's that's been a common thing is just having fun behind the boat living de- living like each day like it's your last day and that's what feed on fire was we got t-shirts made we barefooted behind a wakeboard boat that went too slow for us you know like we tried to reprop these boats to make them go faster it just it didn't work but it everybody (laughs) everybody had fun and because it was so much fun it was about the lifestyle and just enjoying being around this thing there was no um you know it was just it was just about having the maximum amount of fun you could in one day i think the the um the photos and the videos that came out of those things would just make it so that everybody wanted to be part of feet on fire and each year it was a secret location we only told like 30 people about it whatever right and and then all of a sudden on a wednesday 150 people would show up yeah but it wasn't publicized we didn't definitely it was at Kelman's house so it was definitely wasn't and if anybody's ever seen Kelman's house you definitely don't want to have more than your closest friends there because (laughs) electric fences horses the high dive yeah he's a unique guy for sure I miss Kelman but I want I want to get like what what you remember from like the your some of your memories from the earliest feet on fires now I don't know if you actually remember the date but it was like May 2005 may like 15th or something 2005 that was the first feet on fire and uh here we are 2018 i i brought it back last summer i wish you would have been there i I feel so bummed you did one in in australia as well which was which seemed that like it was humongous i continue in 2005 we did it in orlando i also took it back and did it in wisconsin with my ski club up there and since then i've done seven feet on fires in wisconsin we've done seven in orlando you've done one in in uh in 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 australia but i want to get like your memories of like us kind of putting it together and everything like that yeah the early days was definitely um because it's something that's that that had never been done before as far as i mean the the barefooters had done it but never been done in, in the wake um industry it was like taking wakeboarders and um i remember do you remember the George Daniels? Yeah. You know, he, he could only just get up on a slalom ski and like, um, you know, Scott and Ryan Biley were there. They're stepping off of wake skates. Stepping off of wake skates. And it was like really cool to get these guys that obviously I grew up in a show skiing background that, you know, barefooting, ski jumping, all these things. Um, was what, what we did a lot of, you know, but then taking these wakeboarders and, and doing something that was completely out of everybody's comfort zone at high speed, the crashes hurt. You know, I just remember George Daniels trying to step off a ski. He couldn't even get up on a ski. I think Biley actually had to, um, had to lift him up right. to get him out of the water. And then he goes along. He had no idea. He's like, like walking on water and then just steps off and just tries to run across the top of the water. And the, the, the biggest thing about feet on fire was the, the, the step off for sure. You had to get up on a ski and you had to step off and you had to step off right in front of everybody. Right. And so everybody knew that 80% of the people 
couldn't <laughs> couldn't step off. So it was all about the big crash right in front of the crowd. Yeah, the and first it, couple of like round one was always the best because I was like, we just sifted out. We sifted out the yeah. Well, <laughs> half the people didn't even actually barefoot, but right. it was all. But everybody gave it a crack. Um, everybody showed up with their device, however they wanted to get onto their feet, whether it be a kneeboard, a wake skate, a a a plank, a ski, whatever. But the rules were board shorts only, board shorts and a vest. So you couldn't uh, you couldn't just sit down on your butt right. and get around the course. You had to be on your feet and being having to be on your feet at. I don't know how fast the boat was going. It couldn't have been going any more than 45 mile an hour, I wouldn't think. Right. Yeah, 42 probably, <laughs> probably is yeah. where we were at because it was, I mean, I prefer that's to barefoot slow. at 42. That, that's, but... slow for, that's slow for barefooting. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially going through the big waves and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable, man. I, I hope you can make it back. We are planning to do Feet on Fire 2018. Uh, we're that. doing Ring of Fire this year, though. It's Unfortunately, the, the venue is a little bit small and... Um, with our caliber of barefooter, I think maybe only JD and Watson can actually make a true figure eight. It's so tight. Really? Yeah, but... It, what did, boat are you using now? Chips? Uh, no, last year, actually, Nauti hooked us up with uh, with the same boat that they pulled jumping at the Masters. So we had... Really? Yeah, so we had... I mean, So you can get some pace. That's how... Yeah, that's how, how, uh, how legit it has become. Although I'm going to be doing it in Wisconsin this summer, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring the wakeboard boat uh, part back so um, we're going to be running it I think behind a Centurion in Wisconsin I'm going to bring um, like show skiers from every ski team and get, give each ski team one spot I'm going to try to get Zane and Watson and JD and Parks that's a guy who there. we haven't spoken about much today Zane yeah he's, Zane. A, he's an unbelievable athlete and someone that I've looked up to for forever and uh, he's he's been a, a real big inspiration of mine because he's such a waterman you know he's a, he's a great wakeboarder but that was only just a, a a little part of the, what he did behind the boat, right? You know? Yeah, and he he Zane also won like uh, Waterman or show skiers like all around best water skier or Waterman at one point too. That guy can he's another one of those guys you can do a flip on anything. 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 Is he in the Hall of Fame yet? I uh, I don't know. He must be. He's, if not, it's coming. <laughs> The wake, well, the wakeboarding. Uh, so there's a there's a bunch of different hall of fames, and it's funny because this is where we're transitioning to uh, as we as we come to the close. Uh, the Australian Hall of Fame. Uh, I don't know that they've. Have you been become a member yet? Of yeah, them? I got inducted. I was the first wakeboarder. I got inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, four years ago. Four years ago. Okay, so so there there that there that is, and here we are, 2018, and it was just announced that uh, two of the guys that you came up with, Brett Eisenhower, Ike and josh sanders yeah. are being named into the hall of fame next weekend actually in in melbourne at moomba they're having a big hall of fame dinner and um there's a bunch of my friends it's really cool obviously it's really cool that uh, that wakeboard there's two more wakeboarders getting inducted so then there'll be three of us in the in the hall of fame in australia which is really cool um but uh, you know there's another guy another couple of guys that i grew up like a, a barefooters that i grew up with they're Brett knew he's getting inducted into the Hall of Fame as well. There's another couple of guys. So, you know, going along to that night sort of brings everything that we've talked about in this podcast my whole life of, of skiing all together because then all these legends and, um, you know, crazy watermen from all the sports are all there in this in this one room. And there's um, there's a lot of love. There's a lot of respect. And there's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a fun time for sure. Through the years, you directly 
affected the careers of so many riders. Uh, when when riders when young riders from Australia uh, would would come to America because they wanted to get their break, you were the one who opened your doors and 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 gave them a place to stay. I mean, talk about guys like uh, like Dean Smith, like Scotty Broom, Chris O'Shea, Chris O'Shea. I mean, so many of these guys who who had great careers and, and made an impact on the sport. Um, you you directly kind of opened that door for them as far as their career started in the States. Um, moving forward, now you own a cable park and it, uh, you're still hands-on, but it doesn't seem like you're quite uh, like, you know, running a, a bed and breakfast for wakeboarders out of your Orlando house anymore. But at the same time, you're seeing some of the future coming. You know, you helped develop the boat side of things. And yeah, here definitely, you are. Definitely. The, the, um, the interesting bit is when I moved to Florida, well, obviously I moved to San Diego, but when Josh and Ike and I all moved to Florida and to, to make a go at wakeboarding, we didn't know anybody. We didn't have any, you know, we had to basically, you know, knock on people's doors and can I use your boat? Can I have a ride today? You know, and, and people like Darren Shapiro were fantastic. You know, Parks, Rock, all those guys were like, you know, open doors, come on in, use our staff, like, you know, and everybody, because we were just as stoked on the sport as they were. So it was, it was a good mutual friendship and, and, and good vibe. Um, definitely a different vibe for someone like Dean Smith, Chris O'Shea, Scotty Broom, those guys that came into the sport, they got on a plane, come over and straight to our house, it was fully set up. The boat was there. It was, you know, and, and and I was just as stoked to have another Australian want to be want to follow in our footsteps and become a pro wakeboarder as they were to be here. So we nurtured them. We did anything we could. There's the boat. There's the you know the lake. This is introduce them to the people on the tour. Introduce them to the other riders. So it was definitely a different vibe for those guys for sure. But even even moving forward, I feel like I'm still doing that same thing today. Yeah, I'm definitely not bed and breakfast is definitely not happening. But at the wake park, at Gold Coast Wake Park, we have every um, Saturday and Sunday we have kids club. 8 30 till 10 we do kids club, and I'm always down on the dock nurturing these kids, getting them into the sport. Um, and you know, the, the, one of these kids that has never seen wakeboarding before that I pushed off the dock for the first time this year or in the next year, or, you know, in the very, very, in this era is never seen, never grew up in a wakeboarding family or, or water skiing family. Don't have a boat. They just, I built a wake park here. They live, you know, a kilometer down the road. They're going to become a, a pro wakeboarder. They're going to travel the world. They're going to live this life that I've lived because of um because of the wake park being there and that's pretty cool you know so i think about that a lot when a new a newcomer comes into the um you know newcomer comes into the park oh i want to try wakeboarding their parents bring them in whatever i'm like this could be the next kid you know sure and um so i love nurturing the nurturing the sport nurturing the new kids just seeing it grow so no, yeah. nothing's changed. <laughs> one of the one of the riders uh, who's been really making a huge name for themselves in the cable wake park scene, and I've been lucky enough to to announce like wake park nationals in the U.S. and going to, over to the Philippines the last two years. Aaron Gunn. Uh, Aaron Gunn and Busty Dunn. These are like these are a couple of the dudes who are just so insane. And I know I saw Busty's dad here, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he came here with really you good guys. Clayton. He's a really good friend. Yeah. Yeah. So um, like. What is it? How do you guys, how are you guys developing? Like you got Harley on the, on the boat side and then you've got Aaron Gunn, you got Busty Dunn. And I, I'm going to go. That's sort of wrong. You could do a rap song with those guys. Maybe I you? will. Who knows? <laughs> but you know, I look at Busty Dunn and this dude is arguably the best spinner in the world. 
yeah, it's insane. It's insane. He obviously grew up at uh, grew up at Cairns Wake Park, and um, he is an insane, insane rider. Same as Aaron Gunn. You see those guys ride. I saw him for the first time um, in a in a contest in a long time in a first contest at our park um, just last weekend. And you see, there's like all these riders, and there's these two or three guys, and and Daniel Grant was there as well. You see these three guys. They're just like head and shoulders above everybody else and they're just like charging the kicker but the Aaron Gunn story is exactly the story that I'm talking about when it comes to um, you know the, the newcomers to the sport um, Clayton Busty's dad opened the Wake Park in Sydney uh, I think it was 10, 10 years ago now and um, Aaron Gunn lived down the road he would come and ride he got better and better and better Clayton nurtured him, you know, and nurtured his talent, got him into the sport. Now he's now he's making a living. He's got pro model boards. He's got, you know, fame and he's traveling around the world doing what he loves to do, riding at wake parks every single day because those guys opened that, because that park was, was open there. And so that's pretty cool. All right. We're going to close it out right here, dude. After so many years, so many travels, so many contests, so many demos, just such a diverse uh, portfolio of a career that you've had. Um, what what is it that 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 stands out um, at the end of the day to you the most of of what you've done, the impact you've made on the sport? Um, what's what what do you think is most special? Um, definitely being in, you know inducted into the Hall of Fame was definitely the the highlight because that wasn't a um, that wasn't a single event that wasn't a single. Um, you know, a photo shoot, a cover shot, a, it wasn't anything. This was like, you know, an, a, um, an industry respecting a, um, a whole career and an industry um, respecting a whole career and a whole era of the sport. And it's especially the, the part of the sport when it was an, in its infancy, you know, it was, wasn't like that. I was getting into the sport now and you can see Harley is, is, you know, living the life, making a lot of money. So I'm like, I want to be like Harley. The, there wasn't a rider at, at, in, in this era that was like, so we didn't know that it was going to be, you know, a sport. And to, to keep your nose to the grindstone and, and go through all these, all those fun times, all the, you know, everything, and then be honored in the Hall of Fame at the end of it as being a pioneer was, um, is definitely a highlight. But then also the, just the family and the friend, the, the, the whole industry is a family, right? So coming back to this event and even seeing you, Dano, after five years, I haven't seen you at all. And then come back and we just like give each other a hug the first time, sit at the bar, have a beer. And it's like zero. To, and here we are just talking for an hour about stuff. It's like no time has passed. You know what I mean? And I feel this, this love and, um, and camaraderie and respect with the whole industry. You know, I come back here and the, all these people that I haven't seen for a long time, it's just like there's, there's a mutual respect and love. And that's, you know, out of a whole era and the, the, the nurturing and the, the, the support that the whole industry gives everybody. That's definitely, um, it's definitely cool. It's cool to be part of, for sure. Yeah. Well, congratulations, my friend. It's amazing to, to see you, and I'm so glad that we had that. You were one of the first names I wanted on this podcast, but I thought I had to go to Australia to get it. So I'm going to come to Australia and get Daniel Watkins number two, episode number two, because we could literally go for a, another two hours, I think, with with because we didn't even touch on half the stories that, uh, that yeah, we've is, experienced together. <laughs> this is definitely not... not what I, I had a lot to say during this podcast definitely I got through half of it not yeah. even we talked about some other stuff but definitely 
Thanks for having me, Denner. Yeah, before before we finish this off completely, you've had a lot of support. I don't know who still supports you, but I'm going to give you the opportunity to to shout out some love to to those people, past and present sponsors, family, whoever that is. Jeepers. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be prepared for this. My wife, I, honestly, obviously my wife has supported me through, um, you know, uh, nearly my whole career letting me um have the freedom to be able to do what i do and even today so um thank you to her my family for giving me the 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 leg up and the support through the early years um being my mum and dad you know that they gave me the um the they gave me everything that i had at a young age to be able to, all the tools to be able to have this crazy life um throughout my career obviously my sponsors that got me through uh rip curl has been a major one rip curl and i still have a, a really solid relationship which is great um they've, they've stuck with me and now they're a, they're a huge supporter of the wake park um slingshot is definitely a, a supporter of the park now as well um but i can't forget you know guys like o'brien tiger um uh, these guys were just, you know, inst- inspirational, inst- instrumental in uh, my whole career. You know, traveling, sending me around the world, letting me do exactly what I what I do every day was um, was insane, and, not, and I totally get. They've, you know, everybody moves on, everybody does other stuff. So um, there's no there's no hard feelings, but there's a lot of love and a lot of respect for those guys to to give me the life that I've given. So, and then all all my friends, you know, people like Rock. You know, Danny, Parks, Watson, all these guys that have Chad. I, I'm going to forget a whole bunch of them. Obviously, Ike and Josh for, for traveling. But every rider that's ever um, towed me behind their boat. I'm getting emotional now, but <laughs> every 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 rider that's towed me behind their boat, give me a place to stay, travel with me, done anything. It's um, it's all it's all part of it, you know. And um, it's been a fun ride. It's not over yet. Yeah, dude. All right. So if anybody wants to come ride with you, ride at the park, follow you, social media, um, talk to you. Maybe somebody just wants to get some advice. I'm at the park. Some, some the advice park. with the ladies, whatever it is. How do you? Uh, how do they get? In, how do they get a hold of you? Like, where are you on Instagram or Facebook, social media, the yeah. internet in general? Yeah, I'm on all those things for sure. You got is any it? handles? Like mm. at <laughs> oh at uh, d underscore underscore Watkins is on the uh, on Instagram, but just follow the park. I mean, it's Gold Coast Wake Park. That's where I'm at now, and that's what we promote. That's what I promote the most. Um, I'm on those social media, such as the Gold Coast Wake Park. You're promoting the Golden Mike podcast. You're like a billboard right now, too. Oh yeah, Dano hooked me up with the swag too. So make sure you make sure you get one of these. I'm going to wear this all day with pride. I've got that's the right. shirt on. I've got the hat on. Yeah, we're going to be gonna... matching tonight. Yeah, <laughs> I'm probably going to wear the same shirt tonight. This is good. This is good, Dano. I feel. I love it. Sit on the leather couch. Oh, you you really set me up here today. Yeah, this is great, Watkins man. Thank you. This was uh, Watkins one. Uh, let's let's plan for the next. 12 to 18 months, I'm going to come to Australia and we're going to knock out Watkins too. Thank you to my kids as well. Yes. Taylor and Maddie, they um, keep me inspired now and it's so much fun. We didn't even touch on the kid thing, but it's so much fun um, seeing them, you know, get involved with the sport. They ride around around the cable park now and just love it, you know. So hopefully, hopefully I'm back here one day. Um, being a chaperone to them on the tour or whatever. Soccer dad. Wake dad. <laughs> Wake dad. That's that'd, right. That'd be fun. Don't know for now. We've got to go. That's it. We're going go to go to the next do. meeting. Guys, that was Daniel Watkins. I'm Daniel Lomano. This is the Golden Mike Podcast. Hang tight because I'll be right back. Oh, yeah. Oh. C 
CDEC Marine Products. CDEC is the industry leader in innovative flooring solutions, supplying the best boat builders in the world with comfortable, durable, non-skid flooring systems. CDEC has a worldwide network of certified installers to help you design a custom kit for your boat. For free samples and more information, check out www.cdeck.com. That's S-E-A-D-E-K.com. Your boat deserves CDEC. Hey everyone, you heard inside the interview Daniel Watkins and myself talking about riding and flying the Slingshot Foil. Go to SlingshotSports.com, check out the Slingshot Hoverglide Foil Wake Package and so many options also available. Aside from everything you'll need to fly that foil, you can also see the entire line of wakeboards, boots, wake surfers, towables, apparel, accessories, and more. Again, check it out online. That's SlingshotSports.com. Presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast with the noise of the north, Dano the Mano. Big thank you to Daniel Watkins. That was rad and way too long overdue. 90 episodes, finally get him on here at 91. Watkins and I have had made a lot of memories uh, in our time together on the road and in the hood back in Orlando. But I'll tell you one thing, it was so special, the fact that, that we go years without seeing each other face-to-face. You know, maybe we interact a little bit on Facebook or Instagram here and there, maybe a FaceTime or a phone call. But to be honest with you, it doesn't happen that often. So to see each other, connect for the first time in five years, maybe even longer, and basically go back to where we were the last time we saw each other. We were really close. You know, I wouldn't say that I babysat for them that much, but there were times when Daniel and Chancey had to go run errands and I had to watch Taylor. Uh, So we were very close in the day. And seeing Daniel brings back a lot of memories, and I hope you guys really enjoyed uh, what we talked about. And again, we could go on for so much longer, and one day we will. In fact, one day I will get to Australia, maybe next year. And when I do get down under, I'm going to reconnect with Watkins. We're going to record all over again. We're going to give you guys even more stories and more of our tales from the road. But right now... Let's talk about some dates, and more importantly, where you can see me, the Noise of the North, Dan of the Mano, live and in action with that gold mic, March 23rd through the 25th, that's this coming weekend, I'll be in Scottsdale, Arizona, for the International Sportsman's Expos and Arizona Boat Show, I'll be out there with Action Water Sports Arizona, we're rail jamming, it's my third year on this one. Robbie Brown and the crew, they do a great job out there, and so I'm always excited to be a part of it. Come see me. I'll be back in Orlando April 7th, the Performance Ski and Surf Gravel Tour. That's stop number one. We've got folks from all around the world coming out to that event. April 14th, I'll be in Costa Rica for my good pal Paul Weiler, his wedding. Then stop number two of the Nautique Wake Series and the WWA 2018 Wakeboard World Series, the Nautique Wake Open, coming to you from Quintana Roo, Mexico. That's April 19th through the 21st. And for those of you like me, slightly geographically challenged, well, we're flying into Cancun for that one. 
The following weekend, Saturday, April 28th in Orlando for the Nautique Masters LCQ. The last chance qualifier for junior athletes, pro men, pro women. It's going to be at OWC. It's going to be a mellow event, but it's going to be a good event. Uh, I'll announce my May dates next time. But for right now, anybody who's listening, if you're interested in having me announce, commentate, do voiceover work, or appear at your next event, maybe you want to advertise in the Golden Mike podcast or ask me any question in general, email is the best way to get a hold of me, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. You can also message me through the Golden Mike podcast Facebook page. That's also where you can purchase official Golden Mike podcast dad hats, t-shirts, stickers, swag. All right, folks, please remember to find and subscribe to the Golden Mike podcast on iTunes or the podcast app on Apple devices. On non-Apple devices, search the app store for just about any podcast app. Once you do so, look for the Golden Mike podcast. Rate and review the show. I love reading what you people have to say. The Golden Mike Podcast archives are also available on SoundCloud, so please check out all 91 episodes there, as well as at noiseofthenorth.com. On Twitter, at TheDanoTMano, and at the Golden underscore Mike. On Instagram, at DanoTMano. The Golden Mike Podcast on Facebook. That's where you guys can check out my most recent video. A little rail jam action from Coco Beach filmed and edited by yours truly. Thanks again to my guest, Daniel Watkins. And now a few shout outs to the sponsors and folks behind the scenes. Thank you to SeaDeck Marine Products, Boulder Boats, Woodrow Sustainable Optics, Performance Ski and Surf, GoPuck, Footin.com, Wakeboarding.com, C4 Belts, Hyperlite, Leadweight, Conley, Ronix, O'Brien, Slingshot, Wakeboards, WSIA, Jenna Carruth on the web, and Rich Walsh on the audio. Folks, that's going to do it for today's show, and I appreciate y'all for tuning in and listening. I'm the Noise of the North. I'm Dan Lomano, and you can hear me next time once again on the Golden Mike Podcast.